الَّذِينَ Those who آتَيْنَاهُمْ We have given them الْكِتَابَ The book, the scripture مِنْ قَبْلِهِ From before it هُمْ ذَي بِهِ With it يُؤْمِنُونَ They believe Those to whom we have given the scripture before the Qur'an They believe in the Qur'an On the one hand, the mushrikeen of Makkah They are mentioned That how the proofs of guidance, they are evident before them. But still, look at their reaction. They are persistent on their kufr, on their disbelief. And on the other hand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a group from the people of the book. الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ kitab, Those to whom we have given the scripture. Meaning, the people who were given the scripture are the Jews and the Christians. مِنْ قَبْلِهِ From before it, meaning before the Qur'an. Okay? So in other words, those who truly believe in the Torah and the Injil, when they learn about the Qur'an, Allah says, هُمْ بِهِ يُؤْمِنُونَ They believe in the Qur'an. They don't say, okay, give us proof after proof after proof. No. They come across the Qur'an, one interaction, one exposure is sufficient to convince them that this is the truth. Even if it takes some time to gradually accept it, but the first encounter with the book of Allah hits them because they're familiar with scripture. They have no bias. They have no pride in their hearts. They are true seekers of truth. So the true seeker of haq, when he sees the Qur'an, then he recognizes it as the truth. And he accepts it. He has no difficulty accepting it. Take the example of Salman al-Farsi radiallahu anhu. Right? How he was a fire worshipper. And how one day, by accident, he came across a group of Christians. Right? And at that time, they were the people upon the truth in the sense that they were the followers of Isa alayhi salam. And before the Prophet sallallahu it was Isa alayhi salam whom people were to follow. Right? And how Salman al-Farisi, one encounter enough to tell him that this is the truth. And how much he paid for the truth. Right? And then how, when he ended up in Medina, one encounter with the Prophet ﷺ, one hearing of the Qur'an is sufficient to tell him that this is the haqq. Now remember this surah is Makki. Right? And these ayat, they were revealed about a certain group of people who were also Christians. We learned that when the Muslims migrated to Abyssinia, alright, and they went to a Najashi, Najashi, he actually sent a group of people Right, his own men to Makkah in order to meet the Prophet Alright? And when they came to the Prophet in Makkah, the Prophet recited the Quran to them, and when they heard the recitation, they wept and wept and they also believed. They didn't say, But you're an Arab. Right? You're from Makkah. You are from the children of Ismail. Right? No bias over there because it's not about who. It's about what? Right? It's not about you're not one of us. It's about what you're saying makes total sense. So, الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ kitab, The true carriers of the scripture, the true carriers of the book, true believers in the book, when they come across the Qur'an, they believe in it. وَإِذَا And when يُطْلَى It is recited عَلَيْهِمْ on them Meaning when the Qur'an is recited on them قَالُوا They say آمَنَّا بِهِ We believe in it So naturally they say 
It makes total sense to me. I believe in it. Amanna bihi. Innahu. They say indeed it is. Al-haqqu. It is the truth. Min Rabbina from our Lord. And they say, Inna kunna min qablihi muslimin. Indeed we were even before this ones who were in submission to God. We already believed in God. We already surrendered to Him. So now when we learn about this book of Allah, we believe in that also. So here, we are being taught that all people are not the same. And also all people of the book are not the same. لَيْسُوا سَوَاءَ There are some who are in search of the truth. They are not biased. And when they find the truth, they do not delay in accepting it. They accept the truth because it is the truth. They recognize it to be the truth. They don't accept it simply because majority is upon it. No, they accept it because they recognize it as the truth. Ula'ika. Allah says those people, yu'tawna, they shall be given ajrahum, their reward, marrataini, two times, meaning double. Such people will be given their reward twice. Who will be given reward twice? For whom is double reward? For a person from the Ahlul Kitab who believes in the Qur'an. For a person who believes in Musa alayhi salam, Zakariya alayhi salam, all the prophets of Allah, Isa alayhi salam, and then when he also believes in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi salam, then he gets double, multiplied reward. Marrataini. Marrataini is a dual of marra. Why double reward? One for their belief in the Torah Injil, and the other for their belief in the Qur'an. Marratain. And also double, why? Bima sabaru. Bima, because of that, which or because of what? Sabaru, they were patient. Meaning because of their sabr, because of their patience. In other words, when they recognize the truth, they don't find any inner difficulty in accepting it. Alright? From the heart, it's very easy to accept. They have no bias. They accept it. Where is the difficulty? It's all external. It's all external. It's the people. It's the society. It's the community. It's the family. Right? It's the environment. And so leaving that, or while living in that, accepting the Qur'an, accepting, believing in Muhammad wasallam, and then publicizing that belief requires a lot of sabr. بِمَا صَبَرُوا You know, for example, if there is a person who looks like an Arab, looks like a Pakistani, looks like, you know, a person who's from a Muslim country, Muslim majority country, and you're asked about your religion and you say, I'm a Muslim, okay, fine, sure. But if there is a person who doesn't look like they come from a Muslim majority country, Okay, their skin color is different, their eyes are different, hair is different, everything is... And then they're asked about their religion and they say, I'm a Muslim, they're gonna get strange looks. Right? This friend of mine, she, uh, mashallah, very fair, uh, green eyes, everything, she doesn't look like a Pakistani, okay? She went to Palestine to visit Masjid Al-Aqsa. She had so much trouble because... Every few minutes she was stopped. She was stopped by security because they would interrogate her. Where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from? Because it didn't make sense to them that how is it this person who doesn't look like they come from Muslim majority country and yet they're wearing the hijab. Alright? It was very difficult for them. Anyway, 
accepting Islam, this can be a very, very difficult thing for a person. Not internally. Internally the haq comes in so easily as if you were just drinking water when you're thirsty. It's so easy to accept it in your heart. But it's about living with that faith amongst the people who are related to you. How how will they accept this change? This requires a lot of sabr. Just think about it. So many times, you know, even coming from Muslim families, we struggle with things such as hijab. Isn't it? Our family doesn't accept that we are now wearing hijab. We are now wearing an abaya. Just think about it. And how much we cry and cry and pity ourselves that, oh, my family doesn't support me. What am I going to do? This is just the issue of a piece of cloth. Okay? There are others who are struggling on a daily basis because of the beliefs that they have adopted. Because of the faith that they have adopted. So, bima sabaru, because of their sabr, Allah will give them double reward. Because of course, the effort is more, the sacrifice is greater, the struggle is more, and Allah does not waste the reward of those who struggle for His sake. So, أُولَٰئِكَ يُؤْتَوْنَ أَجْرَهُمْ مَرَّتَيْنِ بِمَا صَبَرُوا In a hadith we learned, this is in Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ said that three people will have double reward. One, a person from the people of the scripture, meaning from the Ahlul Kitab, from the Jews and the Christians, who believed in his Prophet and then also believed in Muhammad ﷺ. Such a person will have double reward. Secondly, a slave who discharges his duties to Allah and his master. Meaning a slave who is a good obedient servant to Allah and also he is a good obedient servant to the one who owns him. Alright? Imagine a slave gets double reward. Double reward. I mean, his level in the sight of Allah would be greater than his master's. You understand? And then thirdly, a master of a female slave, meaning a man who owns a female slave, but he teaches her good manners and educates her in the best possible way and then sets her free and marries her also. Meaning he doesn't just keep her as a slave, rather he sets her free and then he honors her by accepting her, by treating her as if she was his equal in the society, that he marries her. So such a person will also have Double reward. Allah does not waste the effort of those who do ihsan. وَيَدْرَؤُونَ And they avert. يَدْرَؤُونَ دَالْ رَا هَمْزَ Dar is to, to ward off. Alright? And also, it is said, قَوَّمْتُ دَرْأَهُ Dar is also used for crookedness. Okay? So قَوَّمْتُ دَرْأَهُ Meaning I fixed his crookedness. I fixed him. Knocked some sense into him. Alright? This is قَوَّمْتُ دَرْأَهُ so, وَيَدْرَؤُونَ They ward off, meaning they fix بِالْحَسَنَةَ With good, السَّيِّئَةَ The evil. Meaning the evil that is sent their way, how do they repel it? How do they deal with it? With goodness. Not with evil. وَمِمَّا And from that which رَزَقْنَاهُمْ We have provided them يُنْفِقُونَ They spend. They spend out of what we have provided them. So Allah will give them double reward. Because they haven't just said with their mouths that they believe. They haven't just accepted faith in their hearts. But they have internalized it. So their actions have changed. Their behavior has changed. Their lifestyle has changed. Their dealing with people has changed. 
It's an entire transformation. Then imagine repelling evil with good. And then spending out of your own money on others in the way of Allah. And then most of all, sabr. Right? Because what happens? When you come across people who disagree with the choices that you've made, with the decisions that you've made, will you receive sayi'ah from them? Sayi'ah could be in the form of a dirty look, could be in the form of a rude comment. Right? Like for example, many times when people learn about somebody accepting Islam, they say, so who are they marrying? Is this because of a marriage? Is this because of a love affair? I mean, questioning somebody's intentions. And you know what? Even if they accepted Islam because of marriage, Alhamdulillah. Really. Alhamdulillah. This is not easy. Changing a religion to marry somebody, it's not easy. It's not easy. And if a person has accepted Islam, they say, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. And they know that they're no longer going to identify themselves as Jewish or Christian, but now they're going to be Muslim. Yes, whatever their practice of Islam is another story, but you know, your identity even, changing that is no easy thing. No easy thing. But many times, people are criticized directly or indirectly. They're looked down upon for the choices that they're making in their religion. So bearing all of that with sabr, tolerating all of that with sabr, it's not easy. Exactly, it happened at the time of the Prophet ﷺ so that one Sahabi, he accepted Islam and then his entire family accepted Islam. Right? It wasn't just him, it was his entire family. We learn about other people whose family did not accept Islam, but there were others whose entire family accepted Islam. Right? So, bima sabaru. You have to hear a lot. You have to deal with a lot. You have to change a lot. It's not an easy change. I know family in my building. Um, the son, he married a woman from Jordan and she was Muslim. And he learned about Islam and he converted. And then his family, he convinced them to convert, mashallah. So both of his parents uh, converted to Islam. And then he convinced his sister. And mashallah, now like the entire family is Muslim. Alhamdulillah, why not? I mean, if this was the result of a marriage, a beautiful marriage, Right? You know, like we learn about Juwayri radullahu anha, that when her tribe was brought in as basically captives of war in Medina, the Banu Mustalaq, what happened? Juwayri radullahu anha, because she was a princess, she went to the Prophet ﷺ and said that, you know, I want to buy my freedom. I can't be a slave to somebody. And the Prophet ﷺ gave her a choice. That either I can help you buy your freedom and you can go back, find your father wherever he is hiding. You're free or you can marry me. I'll free you and you can marry me. Juwayri radullahu anha, she chose to marry the Prophet ﷺ. And when she chose to marry the Prophet ﷺ, what happened? All the Muslims said, we can't have the in-laws of the Prophet ﷺ as our slaves. That's not right. So they set them all free. They set them all free. All those captives of war are free. And then when they see this side of Islam, they all accept Islam also. So because of this marriage, what happened? The fate of Banu Mustalaq, it completely changed. Completely changed. The whole entire tribe, they changed. And this was the result of a marriage. Right? So, we really need to get over this. That so-and-so accepted Islam because of marriage. You know, it's amazing. How we judge people's intentions. Who are we to judge? And when we do that, 
just think about how much it would hurt them. How much it would hurt them. How much it would annoy them. This is the sabr that Allah is talking about. Bima sabaru. Allah will give them double reward. And the thing is that if a person does not have sabr, then really he cannot believe in the Prophet ﷺ. He cannot remain as a Muslim. Because living as a Muslim, living Islam in any day and age is not easy. You will always be criticized, you will always be made fun of, you will always be opposed in one way or another. So you need sabr. You need sabr. Hiraqal, right, who was the Roman emperor at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, we learn in Bukhari about how you know the letter was sent to him and basically he discussed with his top priests and, and all. And he recognized that yes, Muhammad ﷺ was the Prophet that they were waiting for. And what happened one day that Hiraqal, he had all his you know chiefs, his leaders, governors brought into this meeting area and he had all the doors locked. Okay? And he basically presented the letter of the Prophet ﷺ to them, presented the whole case and he said, what do you think about accepting Islam? Okay? And all of a sudden the governors, they got so upset, they started leaving. But when they were trying to leave, the doors were closed, so they couldn't go. So they had to come back to Hiraqal. And when they came back to Hiraqal, Hiraqal said, I was just testing you. I'm not accepting Islam. I was just testing you. So when he saw that his people were not with him, he didn't accept Islam. He did not accept Islam when he saw that his people were not going to support him. He didn't have sabr over there. Right? But there were others who had sabr. And they accepted Islam. So accepting Islam, living Islam requires sabr. وَيَدْرَؤُونَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ السَّيِّئَةِ And when a person has accepted Islam, when a person is living Islam, then it's necessary that you repel evil with good. وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ And spend out of the wealth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا اللَّغْوَ And when they hear ill speech. What is لَغْوَ? We have discussed this many times before. Basically, just as a reminder, Lahu is something that's not even worthy of listening to. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your your brain power. It's not worth your mental bandwidth. You don't need to listen to it. Because if you were to listen to it, it's not going to benefit you. And if you don't listen to it, that's not going to harm you. You're not missing anything. This is love. Right? Like for example, if there's a particular movie, if you've seen it, what knowledge is it going to give you? How has it increased your knowledge? Especially when that entire story is invented. It's fictionary, right? And if you don't see it, if you don't watch it, what are you missing out on? Really, what are you missing out on? Nothing. So this is an example of law. Now over here, law is referring to the criticism, the nonsense they hear about Islam, about their conversion, Criticism for their conversion. وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا اللَّغْوَ When they hear such لَغْوَ Nonsense about Islam. False propaganda about Islam. Or people mocking at them because of their Islam. What is their reaction? أَعْرَضُوا عَنْهُ They just turn away from it. They don't pay attention to it because it's not even worth listening to. It's not even worth listening to. So they don't pay attention to it. وَقَالُوا And they say, لَنَا أَعْمَالُنَا For us are our deeds. وَلَكُمْ أَعْمَالُكُمْ And for you are your deeds. So to each his own. Meaning you worry about your deeds and I'm worried about my deeds. سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ Peace be on you. لَا نَبْتَغِ الْجَاهِلِينَ We do not seek the ignorant. Meaning we don't want to spend time with the ignorant. Basically we have no interest in, in debating with you. 
We'd rather be on our own. So bye. La nabtaghil jahileen. This is their beautiful akhlaq. That when they hear nonsense about Islam, they don't indulge in those conversations. Now, this ayah also, continuation of the previous verses, context is of the people who came from Habasha, from Abyssinia. And we learned that when they accepted Islam and when they were leaving, they were going back to Habasha, the mushrikeen, they harassed them. So for instance, we learn about Abu Jahl that he said to them, وَاللَّهِ مَا رَأَيْنَا رَقْبًا أَحْمَقْ مِنْكُمْ By Allah, we have not seen any group of people more foolish than you. How foolish are you? You're supposed to be the courtiers of a king in Abyssinia. A king. You're supposed to be his courtiers. You're supposed to be more advanced than us, financially, in every way. And here you come, and here you listen to this man, and you're crying because of what you hear? You understand? They basically started criticizing this group of Muslims, and what happened? They completely ignored them. They did not argue with them. No big deal was created, and they just went their own way. They went back home, Abyssinia. They didn't confront the mushrikeen, and the problem was resolved over there. They said, "Salamun alaykum, la nabtaghil jahilin." You see, the Prophet ﷺ said that part of a person's perfection of their Islam is that they leave what does not concern them. Islam very much concerns us. If people ridicule it, argue about it, whatever, it does concern us. But honestly, people who are criticizing Islam, they have no interest in learning about Islam. Really what they're doing is, hear one thing from here and hear one thing from there, put them together and present Islam as something so evil. The root cause of all the problems in the world. Right? Last night, Sheikh Umar Sulaiman, he had this webinar on slavery. It was a two hour long webinar and it was really interesting to see that how slavery is always portrayed as an Islamic problem, whereas it's not an Islamic problem. It's a human problem. It's existed since such a long time, since always, right? And how people point to Islam always when slavery is mentioned, whereas when you compare Islam's perspective on slavery with other religions' perspective, I mean, Islam looks like, wow. It, it looks so beautiful. So, la nabtaghil jahileen. The thing is that people who do criticize Islam, mostly they are ignorant of it. So, if you're trying to argue with an ignorant person, how far are you going to go? How far are you going to go in that conversation? You're not going to go far. The Prophet ﷺ said that Allah has hated for you three things. Useless talk. Okay? Qeel waqal. Qeela waqala. Qeela meaning it was said. Waqala, and he said. Meaning he said, she said, they said. It was said. Quote, and quote. Really? You take a sentence out of a book and you quote it there and you quote it there and you quote it there. Qeel waqal. I mean, if it's really leading you to a good, healthy conclusion, wonderful. But if it's just a bunch of randomness spread across 500 pages, I don't have time for that. Qeel waqal. Allah has hated this for you. Wasting time. Secondly, wasting of wealth. And thirdly, asking too many questions. Excessive questioning, meaning irrelevant questions. Allah says, إِنَّكَ indeed you, لَا تَهْدِي You cannot guide مَنْ أَحْبَبْتَ The one whom you love. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells His Prophet, His Messenger, 
that guidance is not in your hands. You cannot guide those whom you love. Whom you love meaning the people whom you love. You cannot give guidance to them. And whom you love meaning the people whom you really, really want that they should believe. You cannot guide them. Who guides them? Who can guide people? وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَهْدِي مَنْ But it is Allah who guides whoever He wills. وَهُوَ And He is أَعْلَمُ Most knowing بِالْمُهْتَدِينَ With the rightly guided. He knows who is truly upon guidance, who is worthy of guidance, and who is upon misguidance. This knowledge is with Allah. So when He guides somebody, He knows that such a person is deserving of guidance. And when Allah deprives a person of guidance, then Allah knows that this person is not worthy of guidance. Because sometimes we think, we wonder, you know, it would be so nice if such and such person were Muslim. Right? Don't we have this wishful thinking? We do, right? It's always good to have such hopes, to have such wishes. But, you know, when we say, I wonder why they're not Muslim? Why wouldn't Allah guide them? Why would Allah deprive them? This is a question that we shouldn't have. Because Allah knows who is worthy of guidance and who is not worthy of guidance. Guidance is not in our control. It is not in our hands. It is Allah's decision. This ayah was specifically revealed concerning who? Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ. Abu Talib who was so close to the Prophet ﷺ. It was almost like a father to him. First of all, he was his uncle. And secondly, he had taken care of him. And the Prophet ﷺ was also so close to him, he had so much respect for him, that when you think about, for instance, his marriage to Khadija anha, right? who is it that allowed him? Who is it that the Prophet ﷺ asked about this marriage? Abu Talib. He consulted his uncle. And when his uncle gave him a go-ahead, then the Prophet ﷺ married Khadija anha. The Prophet ﷺ had so much respect for Abu Talib that he knew Abu Talib was suffering from financial problems. And when he had a big family, the Prophet ﷺ asked if he could keep Ali anhu, Right? And Abu Talib agreed. So Ali anhu was raised by the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, look at the connection between these two. And then when the Prophet ﷺ received prophethood, Abu Talib, he knew, he would say verses of poetry. Something like, that certainly I know that the religion of Muhammad is the best religion of all creation. It's the best religion. We know that our nephew is not a liar. But why is it that he did not accept Islam? Why? Because of his tribe. Because of his forefathers. Right? He said that, like for example, we learned that when Abu Talib was close to his death, the Prophet ﷺ, he said to him, Oh my uncle, just say La ilaha illallah. So that I can say something for you. I can defend you on the day of judgment. Just say La ilaha illallah. Just say it. Even if you haven't lived according to it all your life, doesn't matter. Just say La ilaha illallah now. Just say this one statement. But what happened? Abu Talib said, were it not for the fear of the Quraysh blaming me and saying that it was the fear of death that caused me to say La ilaha illallah, I would have certainly delighted your eyes. Again, it's the fear of people that's preventing him. The Prophet ﷺ, he wanted his uncle 
to accept Islam so badly that Abu Bakr who knew about it. I mentioned this to you earlier also that at Fath Makkah, when Abu Bakr's father, okay, he came to the Prophet ﷺ in order to accept Islam. And Abu Bakr's father at that time, white hair, literally all white. And he was from the age of Abu Talib, okay, meaning from the same class, you could say, or, or rather the same group. When his father came, Abu Quhafa, when he came and he put his hand in the hand of the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr anhu wept and wept and he said, I wish this was the hand of Abu Talib. Because he knew how badly the Prophet ﷺ wanted Abu Talib to accept Islam. How much it pained him, it hurt him that Abu Talib did not accept Islam. The Prophet ﷺ, he was his beloved nephew. Abu Talib, you know, defended him, argued for him. He tolerated, he went in the boycott for his nephew. Imagine, for three years he suffered from the social boycott for his nephew. But still Abu Talib did not accept Islam. He did not. What could the Prophet ﷺ do? So Allah revealed this ayah that, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتَ you cannot guide those whom you love. Guidance is not in your hand. وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ It is Allah who guides whom He pleases. This is why never take Islam for granted. Never ever take Islam for granted. It is entirely Allah's favor on us if He has put us in a Muslim family or if He has shown us Islam, if He has given us the ability to accept it, if He has given us the ability to learn it, this is entirely Allah's favor. Allah is most knowing of those who are rightly guided. So He can give guidance and He can also take it away. He can give guidance and He can also take it away. This is frightening. Because Allah knows who's worthy of guidance. Ibrahim salam's father. How much Ibrahim salam wanted his father to accept Islam? Did he? No, he didn't. Ibrahim salam's father did not believe. Nuh salam, he wanted his son to believe. Did his son believe? No, he didn't. Lut salam's wife did not believe. The Prophet salam's uncle did not believe. So the fact of the matter is that Guidance is with Allah. He gives it to whom He pleases. In Surah An-Nahl, Ayah 37, Allah says, "In تَحْرِصْ عَلَى هُدَاهُمْ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِي مَنْ Even if you should strive greedily, you badly desire their guidance, Allah does not guide those whom He has sent astray. You can desire all you want, you can wish all you want, but if a person himself does not want guidance, why would Allah force guidance down his throat? This is not the way of Allah. Let's listen to the recitation. الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ مِن قَبْلِهِ هُمْ بِهِ يُؤْمِنُونَ وَإِذَا يُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ قَالُوا آمَنَّا بِهِ
قَبْلِهِ مُسْلِمِينَ أُولَئِكَ يُؤْتَوْنَ أَجْرَهُمْ مَرَّتَيْنِ بِمَا صَبَرُوا وَيَدْرَؤُونَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ السَّيِّئَةَ وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا اللَّغْوَ أَعْرَضُوا عَنْهُ وَقَالُوا لَنَا أَعْمَالُنَا وَلَكُمْ أَعْمَالُكُمْ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ لَا نَبْتَغِي الْجَاهِلِينَ إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتَ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَهُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِالْمُهْتَدِينَ